And the man with that breaking news is John Solomon, intrepid investigative reporter of JustTheNews.com. That's JustTheNews.com. John Solomon, what do you have for us? Yeah, listen, this is a fascinating story. Uh, we've been talking about, we think the government's involved in censorship. Mark Zuckerberg suggests he got contacted by the FBI. And the FBI has been kind of vague about what it's really done in the censorship world. Not any longer. There is a brand new deposition out in a civil case brought by the Louisiana and Missouri Attorney General. Everybody's focused on the Dr. Anthony Fauci deposition. That certainly was a very important news thing. But this second uh, deposition is of a, a FBI assistant special agent in charge in San Francisco by the name of Elvis Chan. And he set up a special unit in 2020 at the insistence of his headquarters in Washington to send daily requests to social media and search companies during the 2020 election to uh, censor, remove um, uh, pieces of content that Americans had posted on social media. And he goes into great detail and perhaps the most important of all the things, the same FBI headquarters that he says that we've all heard say, well, we really don't censor people. We work with the uh, social companies to avoid interference in the election. He's, he lays out a, a process where uh, uh, a lead comes in, someone complains, I think there's election disinformation. It goes to a field office of the FBI. That goes to headquarters. Headquarters decides if it should go to social media. And then he, as the representative in San Francisco then would contact a social media company saying, we think you should take this down as disinformation. Direct government censorship, well, something that our Constitution tells us isn't supposed that, to happen. That's a wow. And you're going to have the full story on your website tomorrow morning? We are. And he said, uh, they asked him during the deposition, how many times did you succeed at getting censored? And he said about half the time when we made a request, social media companies took down the content. That's unbelievable. Uh, talk to us about the COVID uh, vaccine mandate for the military being dropped from the defense yeah. bill, despite Biden opposition. Yeah, a big bipartisan victory for Republicans. Republicans were pushing this. Democrats were wary. But in the National Defense Authorization Act that is on course to be approved in the next two days, both House and Senate Democrats, House and Senate Republicans have agreed to uh, put a piece of uh, language in that that says COVID vaccine mandates for the military cannot be imposed under this budget. And that will hand, handcuff the president. Now, the president has uh, been clear all throughout President Biden that he would oppose this. But today, the White House made soundings that maybe he won't veto the bill, that maybe the other things in the bill are too important and he'll let this go. And why not? The science now shows that, you know, the vaccine isn't something that can guarantee that you don't get the disease or that you don't transmit it. That's what the CDC now acknowledges. So the argument for it is probably a little less. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if President Biden accepts this deal that has worked its way through Congress. There's, there's, well, if he if he doesn't sign it, there's no way to uh, January uh, 1 yes. or January 4th. There is no uh, is a Republican Congress, not a Democratic one. Yeah, exactly. And also the all the authorizations for military uh, policy are, are not in effect if this doesn't pass. So this is a very important bill. And my guess is that Joe Biden, based on the reporting I've done today, I think Joe Biden will bend on this. But a remarkable moment where enough Democrats crossed over to support the Republican request on this may be a sign that in divided government, we might see a little more progress than we expected. Now, uh, we're hearing this story time and time again about these stores having to shut down due to these waves of shoplifting. And now even Walmart CEO says the company may have to hike their prices and close their stores. What are you what are you hearing? 
Yeah, we've heard it from Starbucks, right? How many Starbucks have closed down in urban areas because of these smashing grabs? Now Walmart, one of the largest retailers in the world, saying, hey, we're going to have to start shutting down if this situation doesn't improve. Loud, loud signals from Main Street America that the crime wave is now beginning to have significant effect, not just on the Well, I'll give you some breaking news. Um, uh, You know, uh, we're in Manhattan, our headquarters, and uh, Rite Aid, Rite Aid people, the Rite Aid uh, uh, lawyers told my lawyer today that they're closing all the Rite Aid stores in Manhattan because of theft and, and other problems. Wow. Oh, that is huge. And but there's a downstream consequence. Of course, everybody thinks about that with the retailer, but that means people can't get their prescriptions. They can't get their goods as easily. And all those jobs walk out of these marketplaces. The communities that have allowed these crime waves to persist through their policies are now punishing their own residents a second and third time by removing jobs and removing the capability to get food and prescriptions. This is a triple whammy if you live in one of these communities where these stores are pulling out. John Solomon here. Here's a, maybe a stupid question. Why aren't the police just arresting these shoplifters? I mean, that would be kind of the easy solution here, no? Well, I think the there are two things, right? Policies are set by the prosecutors, and they've seen so many come in and go right back out that it's not worth the effort. Uh, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I think what you have now is uh, these liberal activists have not only gotten to the prosecutors, they're now in, in, going after police chiefs. They were trying to get their type of their type, quote unquote, police chief in place who doesn't want to enforce the law the way it used to be done. And so until communities and their voters start speaking up with uh, greater fervor, uh, I think this trend line is going to continue in blue big cities. I, I don't think it's in any sign of reversal right now. And, and that's despite the fact that crime is going up and creating more and more pain in these communities. John Solomon, we keep saying that phrase, when you go woke, you go broke. And now Disney is seeing that in full effect. And Governor DeSantis of Florida, he's saying no U-turns on decision to strip Disney of their special status. What does that exactly mean for them? So when the Disney World was built in Florida uh, back in the early 70s, they got a special legal exemption that allowed them to basically be their own unincorporated uh, uh, community within the state. It comes with lots of tax advantages and other uh, security advantages. They get to have their own fire department, things like that. Now that was stripped by the legislature last year as a result of the Disney's intervention on a piece of legislation that was a parents' rights legislation. It was misnamed or inappropriately tagged as don't say gay, but that's not really what the bill was about. But um, uh, now, you know, Disney got a new uh, CEO, Bob Iger, came in, says he's going to get out of the woke business. DeSantis said, sorry, too late. We took the action. We told you we meant this. And he's not going to back off. And that he also said that the removing the special status actually helped all the other businesses in Florida. So he doesn't want to punish them since they've been good corporate citizens. So uh, Disney may not get one of the benefits and hope to get back by making the switch to Bob Iger, return to well, Bob Iger. Well, justthenews.com, I'll be, uh, I'll be going, listening to, going to your website tomorrow morning to find out the rest of the stories. Absolutely. Thank John Solomon, thank you, you so much for all that you do. Thank you.